and welcome to the Eastern Kicks podcast, a fortnightly magazine program about East Asian film, led by me, Andrew Heskins, founder and grandmaster of EastonKicks.com, and James Mudge, our leading writer. Each episode, we'll be taking a look at the latest films, news, festivals, and often chatting to filmmakers and stars along the way. Welcome to the first of a two-part special. And for this edition, we figured with everything that's going on right now, we decide to look at a lighter side of life with a focus on Hong Kong comedy. Later on, Podcast on Fire's Kenneth Borson will pick out one of his favourites, while our very own Lu Yin will tell us how she got into Eastern Flicks. So, for our first full lockdown edition, <laughs> James and I are recording remotely, mm-hmm. joined once again by Stephen Palmer. Hello. But before we get started, let's get on to the most important question. Mm. What are you drinking, James? Uh, I'm going to shock you and uh, tell you I'm drinking a martini, which is a homemade as well. I got a cocktail shaker, so I, I made one up <laughs> using not exactly expensive gin or vermouth, but nevertheless a very, very strong and badly made martini, which will be followed up soon by a whiskey mac cocktail, which is old-fashioned uh, ginger wine mixed with um, another. <laughs> Not very good whiskey. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> what are you, uh, yourself? So I'm on, uh, I recently got a, a bit of a, a, a case, could call it a care package from Howling Hops <laughs> um, Brewers and Distillery. And this is Lost in Control, oh. which is a DIPA 8.2%. Oh, that's a, that's a serious beer. So, yeah, we better watch out if this goes on for too long because I might not survive. And um, obviously, uh, with Stephen, uh, as regular as we know, that you, you are teetotal, um, which is absolutely fine. Uh, but I'm hoping that you've elevated up from tap water. Please tell me you're on a posh cordial this time. So I, I, I did think about this because I, re- I realise how, how far off brand I am. I have, I have a can of R. White's Premium Raspberry Lemonade. Ooh, fancy. And anybody at a certain age from um, the UK will will have that R. White song in their head. Oh, yeah, right there right now. (laughs) It's there right now. I I think it's an English thing. We had had very different ones in Scotland who you equally probably wouldn't have heard of. So R. White's is (laughs) like... Just Iron Brew and... Well, yeah, I mean, but that's breakfast iron brew. I mean, we we, we move on to, to other drinks during the day, like the Buckfast. We, we, had a, we had a very famous advert of a, of a man who was a secret lemonade drinker, and there was a whole song about it, mm. White's Lemonade, I'm a secret lemonade drinker. And I saw it in the shop the other day, and I thought, I know when I'm having that. <laughs> very nice. Let's get on to the discussion. Obviously, there's a lot to talk about with mm. Hong Kong comedy, um, from the Mole Tao of Stephen Chow through to martial arts and spooky comedies. Mm. And we're not going to try and cover everything in detail today. Otherwise, this podcast would go on for several days. <laughs> Although, maybe that that wouldn't be such a bad thing. We've got plenty of time on our hands. <laughs> That's um, sadly true. <laughs> but instead, we're going to pick out some of our favourites uh, and chat around them and chat around some representative examples. Mm. Um, going into this, you know, I mean, it's, it's not like... Hong Kong comedy didn't always exist, you know. In fact, in our previous podcast that we all did together on King Who, I mentioned My Lucky Star, which was one of King Who's first leading roles. Mm. But I think to kind of go into this, you know, one of the early real breakthrough for Hong Kong comedies was one that I think, I mean, Stephen, you're going to probably take the lead on this, which is House of 72 Tenants. Mm. So, I mean, House of 72 Tenants 
is kind of interesting for two reasons. One is it's a, it's a Shaw Brothers um, comedy, mm. um, full of famous faces, maybe not so much to the film audience, but certainly to the, the Hong Kong TV audience. But it's also kind of important because it was the first big film to be released in Hong Kong with Cantonese as its as its main language. So okay. not wanting to go too much back into the history, but mm. usually but back in the day. Um, so this is 1972, I think. So sort up to that period, there were certainly films that were made in Cantonese, but they were very much... It was a local scene, wasn't it? It So there was was two kind of scenes. There was the the local Hong Kong films, which, you know, there was quite a big scene. Yeah. But then you had the whole, the big studios like Shaw Brothers that that did not record in Cantonese. And and, all done for Mandarin to to reach the largest audience, I think. Absolutely, and to meet not just the mainland Chinese, but the whole sort of Chinese diaspora you know, is is, is mm. most of them will talk Mandarin or or a variant thereof. So this was really unusual. Um, it's also based on a theatre production, so it's got quite a theatrical view to it. Now, how most people might know this film is actually from Stephen Chow's Kung Fu Hustle, which yeah. mm. rips from it in terms of so the is it called Timpan Alley? Is that what it's called in um? In Kung Fu Hassle, something like Kung Fu Hassle. Kung, <laughs> Kung Fu Hustle. Yeah, I'm only on lemonade, I promise you. <laughs> um, but that that kind of very stagey look of this basically mm. set in the grounds of a large house um, which has been split up into many tiny little apartments. Indeed, there are 72 tenants. So there's a lot of characters to follow around. But it's very, um, although there is a driving story to it, there's lots of little comedic little moments little stories that run through lots of slapstick lots of things which just don't play to us and i think we'll probably talk about that a lot mm. as we go along there are the whole elements of that film which which just are like what the hell is that about um some some firemen turn up <laughs> and uh keystone cops way and and basically they're just after to make a fast buck and that's another theme running through the film about about making money and about the haves and the haves nots mm. but basically it's just not funny <laughs> but, but but it might be to the contemporary audience, but to mm. us it's like you know these are just people dressed up saying stupid things over and over. So again, you know, a lot of it doesn't translate. Um, a lot of it isn't physical. It's quite um, it's quite verbal comedy. Um, okay. I imagine in Cantonese it's blooming hilarious, but to us it might not be. But mm. to me, I love it because of the whole. The intricate way all these characters are moved in and out—it reminds me so much of like um, English films of back in the sort of the sixties and fifties. Those sort of large cast farces, which I guess culminate in a carry-on type film, and it's got very much that kind of vibe going on. Um, mm-hmm. So, so there, there are physical jokes. Yeah, there's a fat person in it. You know, that's, it's, <laughs> you know, again, another thing we'll see a lot of. Um, but also, some of the jokes are quite dark. Um, there's a whole storyline about um, one of the characters as a, mar- a, a couple that are married. The guy's got tuberculosis, and the woman's basically being a prostitute overnight. Nice. And she comes home in the morning, you know, and she's been out as a they call it a hostess, but we all know what it means. Um, and that's that's quite dark stuff for what is basically a knockabout, mm. high-concept comedy. And I think we'll, we'll see that in Hong Kong cinema, in Hong Kong comedy films, where tonally it can be all over the place. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Was was there was there a remake of this film later? So, they, I... so Shaw Brothers did um, they did a or TVB they mm-hmm. they did a remake. Um, what's it called? Seventy two Tenants of Prosperity about ten uh, years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah. Um, so it's got um, again, it's got a lot of popular faces. Eric Sang's in it. Eric Sang, that, exactly. That's Eric how Sang. I, I remember because there was a, they, there was a couple of ones they tried to remake or reboot. I love Hong Kong series and stuff, and they had yeah. really seemed to have similar ensemble casts in them. Yeah. So 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 the the, the, the remake was different story but same sort of setting. Um, kind okay. of enjoyable. Um, you mm-hmm. know that you know for for a modernish Hong Kong comedy, but very much the same kind of idea. Here are a bunch okay. of people that you've seen on TV or that yeah. are musicians or just entertainment stars. We'll chuck them all together. I'm not <laughs> sure if this was a Lunar New Year comedy. The the seventy two Tenants of Prosperity certainly was. Which again, well, I can, yeah, I can't remember. I mean, it's been a while. So. Which is which again is another mm. thing that Hong Kong cinema does. It's um, mm. it, some of the. Um, some of the biggest stars basically work for pretty much nothing, mm-hmm. making films that are produced for that Lunar New Year holiday, the Chinese New Year, yeah. uh, and, and, and comedy films, because you can kind of turn them around and you don't need a lot of special effects. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and clearly they, <laughs> they tend to go back to that kind of golden age of Hong Kong cinema where people are just sort of making it up on the fly <laughs> and, 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 and it kind of works and what's more important with that is they're not intended to last very long mm. these are intended to have a couple of weeks run all the locals go and see it and then you just sort of throw it away so it's mm. it's kind of interesting that sort of we're going back and having a look at some of these old ones ones that have held the test of time mm. because that's not what they're designed to do these are the ultimate disposal movie <laughs> Moving on from that, I think the next thing we should look at is I don't think you can really talk about Hong Kong comedy without talking about the Hoy brothers, mm. Michael, Sam, and Ricky. Yeah, um, and, and, and Ricky, of course, is in House of Seventy Two Penance. Oh, okay. So, so there is a mm. there is a line to be drawn through that. Um, <laughs> a, a, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, we'll we'll find this as well. There is a line to be drawn through a lot of these actors and 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 directors that took this on and so on. Kind of, I mean, you could pretty much do a six degrees of separation right through all of these and everybody is kind of involved at some stage. But yeah, I mean, Michael and Sam led a, a massively successful sketch comedy television series in the early 70s before inevitably embarking on a film career with get films like Games Gamblers Play and The Last Message mm. with their brother Ricky increasingly taking more of a role in these films, probably maybe because he was still working for Shaw Brothers at the time perhaps. Mm-hmm. But it was The Private Eyes uh, which was released at the end of uh, 1976, which was really their their major breakthrough, mm-hmm. and I think I mean it, it still actually stands up pretty well today, actually, with a lot of a lot of particularly a lot of the visual gags, um, and what it does is is you know like a lot of comedy film, it's it has a bit of a loose pretext to hang effectively what are lots of just sketches, and not really much else, but um, it does do it very well. And it's got a great, uh, very funky theme tune by Sam Hoy, mm-hmm. um, which is which is catchy, and they use his instrumental version throughout. So you know you can't help but start humming it by the time, you know you're kind of halfway through. And you know, I mean, the the, the Hoy Brothers. I mean, I'm going to go to a kind of a, a few comments that we had on our, our social media as well. You know that that they were also picked out by um, Sam Mur on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, as as one of his faves, particularly the '80s films, mm-hmm. and um, 
also by Michael Wong Gifts on Twitter, you know, who picked out the cooking scene and the kitchen fight scene. So this was done by, it was written and directed by Michael Hoy for Golden Harvest, the, the major upstarts at that point to Shaw Brothers. Of course, it being Golden Harvest, it has uh, all the, the, just like the Shaw Brothers, it has all the, the, the same team working mm. on it. So there's this really very fun, um, in terms of plot, very, very flimsy uh, fight scene that happens in a kitchen, uh, which includes all these lovely throwaway references to visual gags on Jaws and um, there's Enter the Dragon, which is which is a bit of a double joke as well because Sek King from Enter the Dragon actually appears as a gangland boss in a couple of times in this movie. It's it's just quite a nicely, sweetly put together, you know, there's a, there's a lovely interaction between all these. I think they end up playing very much the same role. So Michael's role is always, he always thinks he, he knows best, but he, he really doesn't. He's really used to this. <laughs> Sam's the, 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 the pretty boy, the attractive one who actually is reasonably talented at whatever these guys are all doing. And and Ricky is always the foil for all the kind of slapstick humour. But, it, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it actually, it really does kind of stand up pretty well for a, for a film of its time. Was it, is, is that, uh, that Samo and Jackie Chan were involved in that as well, in the action directing? Or? Well, yeah, so Samo, so the fight scene is done by uh, Samo Hung. Mm-hmm. Because he was the the main one of the main action directors for Golden Harvest. Yeah, it actually you know it does look very good. The choreography of it is good and funny. You know, lots of visual gags and so on. So yeah, and you know the Hoy brothers kind of I feel like they kind of set out where a lot of Hong comedy is going. It's quite silly. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got this mix of you know probably all those kind of you know references in, in the dialogue that we're not really going to pick up on, but they are massively popular with with uh, kind of Hong Kong working class and. Um, from this film on, you know, their films become very big. You've got Security Unlimited, you know, into the 80s, you've got uh, uh, Chicken and Duck Talk and Front Page. Is um, front Page, is that, that's a remake of Private Eyes, right? I think, I think, I think it is. Wikipedia says yes. <laughs> yeah, score! <laughs> that, that, that would have been a very awkward moment if I interrupted Andy and Flo to get something wrong. <laughs> yeah, made, made four years later. Very good. <laughs> But no, Chicken and Doc Talk was fan- is fantastic, and it's it it was let down slightly for me just because I think the subtitles couldn't keep up with how fast the chat was going between you know when they're throwing mm. they're throwing all this, the dialogue and insults back at each other. Um, so it it was very funny, but I think like you were saying, Stephen, yeah, there's it is something which we'll, we'll touch on, I guess. I mean, how much of the Cantonese language comedy, especially, we actually get all the gags off. Oh, I think it's an interesting thing though, because so because it is this mix of. A lot of it is such a mix of all that, you know, but very visual, you know, the yeah. kind of classic banana skin type comedy that, mm-hmm. that is universal, that we all get. And I think, you know, that's always played out so well. Um, another interesting name, again, because it's Golden Harvest on the on the list, is um, that also involved in the film and sort of in the, yeah, behind the cameras was mm. John Woo on planning, who oh. went on to work with the guys, Michael Hoy on uh, Pelfra's Progress, which is... Oh. Um, Quite a fun, I guess, really a kind of Hong Kong take on the sort of Pink Panther, but it's got some great scenes which are, you know, almost comparable to the Mission Impossible where people are kind of coming down from the ceiling on those wires, all those kind of classic yeah. heist kind of things going on as well. You know, and you, you, you do see these names come up and, you know, another one of the, the, the lead guys along with the High Brothers was Richard Ng, 
Oh, who, yeah. you know, also has a, a great career in not just comedy, but, you know, particularly in comedy roles. He, he, was, um, he was in something recently again. I, I hadn't seen him for, for a very long time. I probably assumed that he'd, you know, maybe passed on, but he, he was in something again very recently. Um, this is one of these Sunday. Oh, yeah, it was Go Back to China. Uh, the new one from mm. the director who did that one night in Hong Kong wandering around thing. Uh, I, I, I haven't watched it yet, but I think it was one of the ones that was supposed to be at Sundance this year, and then it, maybe it screened or didn't screen, so I haven't seen it. But I saw the trailer and I was like, wow, Richard, he's still alive. Mm. He's still going and still sort of mugging in exactly the same way for the camera. So <laughs> that's good. I, I, I'd like to see it. I'd like to see Private Eyes, but can I take a wild guess that you've got it on Laserdisc? Uh, uh, I've got it on Blu-ray, actually. Oh, very nice. Well, then, then I would like to... I was not meaning to besmirch laser discs, of course, but... How dare you, sir. <laughs> I'm kind of moving on. I, I mean, I, I'm kind of vaguely doing a kind of a chronological mm. uh, look at this. I One that I'm going to pick out, which is... It's kind of a bit of a disaster movie in many ways, but it's also... It's actually quite entertaining because it just throws in so many things and it's a bit different. But it's Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, not to be confused with Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars or anything like that. <laughs> As I was very confused by when you mentioned yeah. it. Which is uh, a late Shaw Brothers movie from 1983, kind of reasonably late in, in terms of, of their success. Very sci-fi based, so it's lots of um, close encounters, which kind of turns into quite a dodgy, um, very, very tame sex comedy. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, maybe not in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in the best way. But it's just, this starts, I think what happens with Twinkle Twinkle Little Star uh, is it does start to pick up the pace. So it's directed by Alex Chung, who's probably still best known for being one of the early Hong Kong New Wave directors yeah. who had did Cops and Robbers yeah, 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 that's and, right. and Man on the Brink. So this was quite a change of tone. But he really totally uh, froze himself into, into this. There's, a, there's a, a weird cameo that has Alfred Chung in it and uh, Chai Hak as well, um, <laughs> who are obviously really enjoying being there. And ha I think it... Primarily, it kind of turns into a weird food fight, but um, hmm. lots of references to Close Encounters and, and lots of references. There's a, there's a bit of a fight at the end where somebody who's dressed a bit like a really cheap-looking Darth Vader um, <laughs> has a lightsaber battle, but, you know, at some point his, his lightsaber droops, you know. It's, it's, uh, you're making, it's, the, it's you're making it sound of, good. This sounds great. And it's the thing. It's like you watch it and you think, well, you know, it's a bit of a... It's, it's not the best, but actually the production value of it because it's Shaw Brothers is, is very high and you know mm. we talk about kind of cheap comedies well this obviously wasn't and I, I think it probably actually I mean uh, in terms of box office probably didn't do that bad I'd time. never heard of it I mean that's, that's why I think I got so confused by the you know with Lucky Stars I've never heard of this one but it's yeah I'm not sure why I haven't it's one of those it. weird ones that I you know I remember my review was kind of like it's 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 I, as a as a as a whole, it's it's not a it's not an amazing movie, but mm. it's got lots of scenes that you just remember because it's just you know it's very it is very memorable. Cool. Um, and and that can, and that can be the thing, can't it? With quite a lot of these comedies we're going to talk about, mm. as, as as a whole, they're pretty rough films, aren't they? <laughs> Some but of them are. It, but they have. I think it comes down to this kind of sketch show, and you know, it's, they do coming from that attitude of. You know that, that that there is a very loose pretext that all this stuff is kind of you know that they, they are actually quite sketch based. The same way that we know that you know generally in Hong Kong films there will be these classic kind of scenes that mm. you know you go oh my god that's such an amazing scene. But 
it might not necessarily have a much relation to what's going on around it. You get that even more so with a lot of Hong Kong comedies, where you know it is mm-hmm. somebody's had this amazing idea for a sketch, mm-hmm. um, and it is you know laugh out loud, absolutely, really, really funny, really good. But you know it might be one of the few things in the film that that really is. Mm-hmm. Um, but but they'll be incredibly memorable. Or they'll bring exactly. in somebody, so somebody who'll be popular to like a, 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 a like I said, like a music person or a or a TV actor who's famous for a certain role. They'll bring them in for one scene, and it will work because it's parodying something that these people are famous for. We won't get it, but <laughs> but, but we will probably remember that scene. It they, they kind of remind me a bit of um like a Mel Brooks movie or or Woody Allen back back when he still had a sense of humour. That, that kind of almost anarchic sense yeah. to them that actually when you look at the films in the round yeah it's all right mm. but you will remember those scenes those moments those you know the mel brooks i think is a, is a great example although obviously he had a bit more money behind him but you mm-hmm. think of someone like blazing saddles you remember the moments do you remember the big story not so much and that, <laughs> that's how i feel about these films True, true. When I was thinking about, you know, some of the stuff, Mel Brooks is a, is a, is a good guide on that. And I think, you know, you think about, again, kind of like, you know, the, the Pink Panther films of the 70s. And, you know, there was a lot of, you know, we might kind of forget, but there was a lot of quite wacky comedies going around. Well, you, fight, you know, I mean, this, is, I mean, this kind of ties in slightly, but wasn't um, in Cannibal Run, one of the Hoy brother, brothers was in Cannibal Run, right? Yeah, I believe uh, Michael was, yeah. And he, but he played, him and Jackie Chan were playing Japanese, I think. That's right. That's, That's right. Correct. Yes, there you go. Because <laughs> well, my... Cannibal Run was a Golden Harvest production, so. Oh, I didn't um, realize that. Okay. Yeah, cool. yeah. So I that's mean, why. <laughs> yeah, I do wonder. I mean, although Cannibal Run wasn't, um, a lot of those sort of I talked about the Carry On films. We talked. You talked yeah. about mm. um, the um, Pink Panther yeah, movies, Pink things Panther. like that. Mm. A lot of these are very British sensibility coming from the British farce hmm tradition yes. and i do wonder if the british influence on hong kong had some because you just don't get these kind of films in japan or it, you know you have very different sort of comedy there mm. or you have very in mainland china very different this 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 hong kong sensibility I mean, is, is almost this this it's been influenced by by its colonial past in in the way I, that people I feel like, like this that's kind of true thing. i mean i don't mm. know if if things like things like benny hill were playing on on hong kong tv or stuff like that but you almost kind of feel like i i, and I completely agree i think it, it feels like there is a lot of you know that that same sensibility that that's got to come from that that colonial influence and and, and the wordplay as well i mean we haven't really i guess we're going to speak about it with our next couple of films when we sort mm. of talk about one of the one of the well-known masters of it, but the, that wordplay, that use of language, mm. feel you know that's from Oscar Wilde and 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 onwards, yeah. Which you don't get that clever wordplay using, you know, the the mispronunci- mispronunciation of words. That was ironic. I said mispronounced, mispronounced. <laughs> um, you, you, I just wonder if there is something there, if there's something in that in that cross-cultural mix, that melting pot, which is Hong Kong, mm. that it, that it's taking mm. those influences that nowhere else is really taken. You know, America American comedy is very different. Mm-hmm. And doesn't yeah, and yeah. and doesn't delight in malapropisms and and hononyms and antonyms. It's not you know British comedy is quite obsessed by language. Look at Ronnie Barker, people like that. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And I do feel that there's a lot of that in in this era of Hong Kong cinema. 
Mm, and certainly in comedy yeah, cinema. Yes. So there, there you go. I should go off and do a PhD on that, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, some, a bit of intellectual content in the podcast. That's good. Yeah, so, sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, bring, let's bring the level straight back down to the gutter. <laughs> All right. All right. So I've got something for that. Don't about, worry. You're going to talk about your first choice then. Uh, oh, my first, yeah, Tricky Brains. Uh, Here we which, go. It's not really gutter. I mean, it is directed by and written by Wong Jing. So, but I guess it's one of his less, yeah, his less raunchy films around about the time. But it was the second Stephen Chow film I saw. The first one being uh, Flirting Scholar, uh, which one of the DVD releases from Hong Kong called it Flirtong Scholar for some reason, which was I thought was the actual name of it for a while. But Tricky Tricky Brains has got amazing cast: got Stephen Chow, Andy Lau, uh, Rosamund Kwan. Ching Miao and you know, Wang Jing himself in there, um, and with uh, I can never pronounce his name, but you know YC Lee, who's you know in Better Tomorrow and basically always played villains, mm. and it's um, it's basically Stephen Chow is as much as I can translate the plot because it doesn't make any sense. He's he's called the handsome tricks expert, and he's he basically just drives people crazy. He gets paid to do it, so YC Lee hires him to try and like make Andy Lau look bad in front of Rosamund Kwan so that she doesn't marry him and decides to marry YC Lee instead. So Stephen Chow has this bizarre scheme where he pretends to be his brother, uh, getting in with his father, who's played by Ng Man Tat, who's in pretty much every Hong Kong comedy and every Stephen Chow film. And he go he spends most of the film trying to drive like Andy Lau crazy or doing stuff like feeding him like aphrodisiac pills, which in the hope that it'll make him go run around grabbing breasts. And then eventually he turns, you know, he decides he likes the family, so he gets back in with them and everything. And Wesley then hires the ultimate tricks expert. And of course, they have to have like a trick face off to see who's trickier <laughs> against each other. But it's, th- this was one of the ones I think where you got like the Molay Tao really, really kicked in. It, it's non stop gags, it's a complete mixture of physical comedy, dialogue comedy. It gets incredibly surreal in places. A lot of I've I've no idea whether it's improvised or not, but a lot of it feels improvised because it's just so off the cuff and bizarre, and it's incredibly non PC. There's there's a really long extended sort of AIDS joke sequence where Stephen Chow is having he's he's in a restaurant with uh, Ching Mi Yao, his his character name is Banana, and he accidentally drops a book which says you know I have AIDS, and then she, <laughs> he goes on this whole run about how he was the he was the, the one of the the first gay cases in China of having AIDS and everything, and you know she's terrified of him both because she thinks he has AIDS and because she thinks he's gay, and it plays on for about five five minutes with that as well, and that that's a, there's, there's quite a lot of bits in the film which sort of tie into that stuff, but it also works in like weirdly like Peking opera, a lot of film references, a lot of like Better Tomorrow, God of Gambler stuff as well. There's there's definitely lots of kind of like we were saying kind of ripped from the current headlines in Hong Kong pop culture references everything and they're all thrown together into something which it doesn't make any sense at all but it's very very funny the whole way or I would say it's very funny the whole way it's still one of my favorite Stephen Chow ones and it was him in that kind of 1990 start of the 90s where he was making like 10 12 films a year uh, and he hadn't got to his sort of more how do I say like his more uh, serious phase when he started focusing on directing um, mm. kind of post Shaolin soccer so uh, this, yeah, I mean this this is this is him under Wong Jing's um, yeah uh, you know the year the year before he'd made All for the Winner 
mm, which, had right, bought, yeah. which had bought into you know which was a which a bizarre it's a bizarre parody of God of Gamblers which is Wong Jing made it's, the year before yeah, it's but, a, but, it's but, a but then ended up being canon and yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and ended up in God of Gamblers too but that that's another story and if you want to hear about that listen to um listen to my latest episode of my own podcast <laughs> where oh, we talk about God of Gamblers um, outrageous this will be cut <laughs> yeah <laughs> but but this you, you're absolutely right James you know this is mm. this is this is early Stephen Chow. This is just at the cusp of his mm. superstardom. Yeah? Yes, ex- exactly. All, all, all for the winner was the film which sort of thrust him in. Hey, this guy could be a leading man. Yeah, that's right. And and this and also I'm bringing God Gamblers back to it. You know, Andy Lau. We we don't usually see Andy Lau in comedies these days, or indeed for the last. It's, it's been a while. Years. But yeah. God of Gamblers. This. Oh, I mean, uh, Love on a Diet. Oh, yeah. classic. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> fat suit and like, fat suit Sammy Chung. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the, class, the, you, you're seeing these people, and, and so people like, give Wong Jing a hard time, and, and, and rightly so. Yeah. But, but, but mm. for this kind of thing, for the Lunar New Year comedy, for this kind of wacky, mm. for the patronage of certain mm. people like Stephen Chow, yeah. I, I, you know, the, the industry owes him a huge debt. Now, there's a lot of mm. crap that goes down, like like the like the like what you just talked about that 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 kind of contemporary dodginess. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. We, you know, it's, it's easy to look back on with a with a critical eye, but you've got to understand the time and the culture, and you know, fat jokes and gay jokes and AIDS jokes yeah. and rape jokes and all those things that we go. Oh my mm. god, you can't say that. Well, yeah, they yeah. did say it because culturally, 1991. That's where yeah. that's where they were, and these are well. That's where we were in the world. Yeah, in the, in the, West, every, the whole world was exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the thing I was going to say as well. I mean, you know, it's, it's it's there is if you are going to delve into some of the, the, this comedy, the, the, this is this is not PC, but you have to see it in the context of when it when it came out. You know, which you know we weren't as well reconstructed as we are now. Yeah, and it's you see, you got to see in the Wong Jing context as well. So, mm. <laughs> which was basically, basically anything for a cheap laugh doesn't doesn't really matter, you know whether whether it'd been even if times had been more enlightened, I, I don't think Wang Jing would have been capable of being different, to be honest. <laughs> no. But no, it's I I still I like I watched Tricky Brains again um, the other day. I'm, I'm not going to do the theme. I, I've still got the, the theme thing in my head, like the music, but I'm not going to do that now. But it's still I, I don't know. It's I think it is one of the most energetic of Stephen Chow's films even compared to some of the other stuff like um, and, I, and I think in the 90s the stuff when he started directing the films there was quite a difference in the ones he directed which usually he wrote or co-wrote as well um, compared to the other ones he did with people like Wong Jing or with other directors so, you know he was still doing like quite a lot of uh, knockoffs or cheap sequels ah my god what sorry devils pigeons just flew into my damn room um, <laughs> there you go. Well, if we wanted Mo Lee Tao, we've got it. Yeah. <laughs> Look at how bold they were. Anyway, but yeah, the, the, I think that's when you really started seeing a difference. The stuff that he was directing and writing, like you know, from Beijing with Love, Forbidden City Cop, and stuff, compared to some of the other ones, which the, some of the like the fight back to school stuff. You know, mm, some of the yeah. ones which were just getting more churned out, which were still funny. But I think by the the late nineties, you could you could kind of see where he was going with his where he wanted to go with his career. And I think, yeah, Shaolin Soccer was the one which kind of really, really marked that big change in him.
Hi, this is、uh, Kenny B from the podcast on Fire Network. I co-produce and co-host our various podcasts on、uh, Hong Kong cinema, Korean cinema, Japanese cinema, and even Slesian cinema and the likes.、Uh, and one of my favorite Hong Kong comedy. Movies and scenes out of a Hong Kong movies,、uh, Shaolin Soccer. I go back to it because it was still fairly on in my exploration of Stephen Chow's movies. And my fear was always, I've heard this is very local comedy, very language-based comedy. So am I as a Westerner even gonna get this? Is it even translatable throughout the subtitles? And as it turns out, most of his movies you can always pick up on、uh, the visual appeal. Of the comedy, it's universal. And out of Shaolin Soccer, one of my favorite scenes is early in the film. Stephen Chow's character Sing has plenty of ideas on how to merge Shaolin with,、uh, I suppose,、um, popular culture, general culture, to make it、uh, approachable for the common man. And one of his ideas, and he really drums it up, and like he's going to present it to his friend、uh, Ironhead, is to merge it through the use of Musical, and they put on a very quickly mounted musical, and we see in in a bar in the same bar that Ironhead works in.、Uh, the actor is、uh, Wong Yatfei, who plays Ironhead and plays a crucial part in this scene. So they mounted in a bar and they start to sing the little Shaolin is great singing number. And two things that are perfectly great here and just makes me miss myself every time I watch it is the fact that. The singing between Stephen Chow and Wang Yatfei, as it goes back and forth,、uh, clearly it's a bad take or a series of bad takes, because Stephen Chow cracks up continually at Wang Yatfei's sort of monotone singing, and it just feels so genuine that smile that it couldn't have been scripted laughter between the actors, which is. All the more energy and fuel to the scene, but at the end of the scene, when、uh, the verdict is in, some people are gonna express their dissatisfaction at what they heard. So Stephen Chow's strength is in his legs. So if you hit his legs, he's not gonna feel that. Ironhead's strength is literally in his head. So what happens? Well, the audience is dissatisfied, and、uh, some of them come up to show their dissatisfaction by beating. So a bottle is continually <laughs> well. Well, a bottle is hurled, isn't it? First of all, and then there's a I don't know if it's the word is way too many, but certainly there's a there's a repetition of a joke here, and that's why this scene is so great. Stephen Chow's character is continually beaten over the head with a bottle, and it doesn't break, and it hurts. He, he says, essentially, like, "Don't hit me, don't hit me." He gets hit, don't hit me. He gets hit, don't hit me. He gets hit, and it's the repetition of gags. And also, we as an audience know that it should have been reversed because、uh, he is actually taking a beating, and、uh, Ironhead wouldn't have. Been taking a beating、uh, in this case.、Uh, it, it's this、uh, mix-up of、um, strengths, if you will, and also the fact that Stephen mounts a scene where it just goes on repeat. It's that old classic saying of、uh, you know if you repeat your comedy, eventually it's going to reach a genius level. And I think why it works for me is the fact that it's so literally very very violent. The sound effects of the bottle that doesn't break over Stephen Chow's head—that that just 
kills me and makes me piss my pants as well. So that scene, the mix of that the actors couldn't get through a take to the latter section of the scene where this uh, criticism happened and the mix up of uh, powers happened, if you would, is just absolutely uh, Hong Kong nonsense comedy at its finest. And the thing is, it's one of hundreds of fine scenes of this kind. So you have a lot to discover if you have it. Or maybe God of Cookery, I would say. But yeah. Oh, there's a great film, God of Cookery, as well. Yeah. But there's a change in him from being. Mm. Uh, yeah, you, I, there are a lot of films. They're great. I love the Fight Back to School films. Love and yeah, Delivery. Yeah. Love and Delivery is mm. another mm. You know, a film that, you know, uh, secret, secret Passion. I don't know if that's the right phrase, but whatever. But they yeah. are very much, you do feel he's, he's playing a role in other people's films. Yeah. Even if he's the yeah. lead. I, I, um, the other one I'd mention. As well as got a cookery, is King of Comedy as well. Oh, oh yeah, yes. the, the... If, if, if only for the wonderful parody of uh, a John Woo. Ah, yeah, yeah, scene, yeah. Action scene with all the dust, <laughs> but of course you've got a woman actually yeah. doing the lead part, which doesn't tend to happen in John Woo movies. And <laughs> the utterly random Pringles, or is it Lay's? It is Lay's. Lay's. Uh, product placement at the end. It's like, oh, hang on, hang on. We had some money for Lay's. Quick, okay, and, right. And let's not do that. And let's not forget the utterly random Quentin Tarantino <laughs> moment that, 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 mm. that ends that film, which is a different. But those films, I'd sort of, you know, ch- the Chinese Odyssey pair and oh, um, yeah, God of Cookery. Nice. That that's when you start seeing Chow as master of his own destiny. And you yeah. start. You can actually start saying, "Ah, that this." You can start seeing his beliefs and understanding, and and, mm. and a man completely in control of his art. Yeah, and yeah. you spoke earlier, James. I think about sort of saying how much of this is off the cuff and how much is being yeah. improvised. Mm. I've, I've watched some stuff with his later films. Certainly, when he's more behind the camera, I think it was maybe something about the Mermaid. Okay, and actually, it's interesting how much isn't improvised. Uh, how. Okay. You know, I, I, I too assumed he just went out and just did wacky stuff, yeah. But but, yeah. Like, but like good stunts, mm. he's he he absolutely understands comedy and everything, especially because when he directs, mm. you know, and, and when he's not acting in it, he he's mm-hmm. it's actually really well planned and really well designed, mm. Um, mm. which I which I was surprised by because that feels like the antithesis of what Hong Kong cinema is. <laughs> might, exp- might explain why you know he doesn't really play to that audience anymore. Um, yeah, you know, he's, 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 yeah. He's got his, you know, it's interesting because I'm sure that um, Andrew Fung, Fung Che Che, yeah, um, said exactly the same thing for me. He's a, he's a, the director of the Bounty Witness Out of the uh, Witness Out of the Blue. Yeah, um, mm. and also wrote on the Mermaid and Shaolin Soccer and, and kind of worked with Stephen Chow a few times. But you know, he, I'm sure he said exactly the same thing about working with Stephen. Yeah. Do you, but I mean, in recent, have you seen his last, um, uh, the new King of Comedy? I think that I, was his last film. I, I haven't was, seen it. I really enjoyed that. But he's I not know, in it. He's not in no, it. No, right? no, he's no, just, not at all. Yeah. He's found another new face to appear in, and it's got nothing to do with the original King of Comedy. Uh, was it? it, is, <laughs> it a, is it a, a mainland one or is it a Hong Kong? It's very much a mainland film. Gotcha. Um, okay. But it's got a really weird. I really, really enjoyed it. I think a lot of people didn't because it wasn't. You know, everyone loved The Mermaid, right? Yeah, and, and yeah. I don't, and I don't think it's got quite that. I mean, um, Andrew and I, we saw them. We made together, didn't we? We did, and, we did. And and, and, and my wife, we, and your wife, <laughs> and we saw it. You know, we saw it basically in Chinatown in a room full of Chinese uh, people. in Panton Street, probably. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, Hang on, and and and. and 
watching that film in and amongst sort of the native speakers, although it's in Mandarin, mm. it, you know, it, it's a completely different experience than when we, we might have experienced it, you know, watching it on Laserdisc or DVD <laughs> or Blu-ray. Um, it was, it, it, but yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's got a really weird um, theme to it, which basically is... You know, there's, there's this whole sort of Chinese thing of as long as you try hard, that's okay. You, uh-huh. know, you will succeed because you try hard, because the fates will demand it. You know, the for- good fortune was smiling because you're trying hard. Um, mm. The message to take away from the new King of Comedy is try really hard, you're probably mm. going to fail. In fact, <laughs> you're almost fault. certainly going to fail, <laughs> but sometimes, once in a million. It will succeed, and it's got this. It's really, really weird thing, but I really enjoyed it. I can't remember who the the lady is who the, the, that leads it, but she's really good, and it is. It's very. It feels much more mainland, and it feels much more lo-fi than maybe some of his other more recent films. But I really enjoyed it. But I have a feeling I'm in the um, minority. It didn't, it didn't. It didn't even get much of a push. I mean, no. I, you know, I, it's one of those ones I, I, I kind of struggle to see a way to actually find it to actually watch it. Yeah. No, you know? yeah, I, uh, so a, I, I would I would have watched it out of curiosity anyway, but I, it just never became available. Was never even like talked about very much, to be honest. Well, yeah, in the West, anyway, I, I can't speak for its reception. No, absolutely. I mean, it was it was a yes I should yes I should buy for me just because I'm a Stephen Chow <laughs> obsessive, and you know, go, please go and read my article on Eastern Kicks about thirteen great Stephen Chow films. You know, <laughs> let's let's be meta about this. So, what's, I, you your, what's your what's your favorite one then? Or is that too bad a question? Well, it, it, it kind of changes over time. I really mm. love King of Comedy, but I know it's not the funniest. You know, and it's got, and it's not meant to be, is it? It's no, quite, it's quite moving. It's, it's quite, quite moving, King of Comedy, though, it, right? It, it, it is. But I, I, I would probably say King of Comedy, because I think that's his best film, if that okay. makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think God of Cookery is fantastic. Oh, it is. I do love God of Cookery. And, um, but, you know, like Minute for Minute Laughs from Beijing mm. with Love. Oh, there is. I mean, do, what do you think of Tricky Brains like, dude? I, I, I like Tricky Brains, but it's from a it's from an era of that I still think he's working on what he's um, you know, it, it didn't make my top thirteen, but then you know there are mm. like forty to choose from. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 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 I do like it for the stargazing approach. Yeah, so you've got mm. Andy Lau, you've got Ching Mei Lau, you've got someone went out, you've got lots of other uh, Wei Si Lee, as you said. Um, you know, you've got. It, it, it's a slightly different thing for me. It's not to me. It's not a Stephen Chow film. It's a Wong Jing film. No, it's got Stephen Chow. Yeah, in it. absolutely. And and, and, and you know, Andy Lau's in it as much as he yeah. is, pretty much. And and if there is one, you know, Stephen Chow films. Unfortunately, the world only sees the Western world only sees Shaolin Soccer and mm. Kung Fu Hustle. Kung Fu Hustle, Kung Fu which, Hustle, which yeah. are fine. But on Amazon Prime in the UK, it's Justice mm. My Foot. Just which as is, my foot, yeah. Which is what yeah. he does with Anita Mui. Mm. And Anita Mui out comedies him. And it's, <laughs> it's she's brilliant. I mean, you know, the, the, I haven't watched that in years. So. That, and that, that's on Amazon Prime. And I, I would recommend to anybody if you want to see some prime early Stephen Chow, but actually see somebody who's up to his level with him mm. and in on the joke and all the jokes with him. That that's the one I'd recommend. Yeah, just to kind of note there that the Amazon Prime has a lot of Shaw Brothers movies on. I think in in different forms though. I mean, it really yeah. annoyed the. Well, not gonna curse them for it, but like I, I was flicking through, and some of them were in like the English dubbed version. Some of them were like Mandarin. Some of them were Cantonese, and not necessarily because that was the original Mandarin or the original Cantonese. So I've got you know ones on DVD, and I've 
I added them all to my list and I kind of started flicking through them just to see which ones I would actually watch because it's too annoying when they're not playing the right soundtrack. And obviously, I'm not going to... I love, you know, like Black Magic, but I'm not going to watch the English dub version. I mean, <laughs> fuck, I mean, I don't care. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff on there. But as usual with Amazon Prime, I'm never quite sure of the countenance of it. No, absolutely. Sometimes you find two versions of the same, you find two versions of the same movie. Exactly. I always I always find it, it's a bit like going to um, CEX or something like that. You know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You, you come home and you find out like the, the the sleeve of the thing is like a photocopied version. Yeah, and just random stuff. You know, you think, what? Um, it's, not, it's not curated terribly well. It's just what they what they happen to have in the warehouse. But... Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I know that um, all's well ends well. At the moment, and this is this is correct at the uh, at the uh, time of, of uh, recording. It may have changed by the time you listen to this. But also Answell is on Amazon Prime. Which version? Which version? Which is the longer version with the weird uh, gangstery shootout bit. Oh, um, okay. In HD and original Cantonese <laughs> language, so I mean, well, that, that's important. It, it's a great movie. It is uh, fantastic. That was one of the ones which kickstarted the whole Lunar New Year kind of modern comedy. Was it ninety one, ninety two? Something. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's yeah. amazing film. Amazing cast. Absolutely. You know, and oh yeah, with Leslie Chung mm. capping it up and. <laughs> and Maggie Young, Maggie Young in the house. Yes, it is. It's it's absolutely top film. Fantastic. writer for Samgyojin Jam and Eastern Cakes and this is how I got myself into Eastern Flicks. Back in my high school days, I watched Hong Kong martial arts and crime films on DVD with my dad every weekend. Most of them put me at the edge of my seat because of the action scenes and sentimental feelings portrayed by the characters, but none of them caught my attention and got me into Asian films. During that time, I was more into K-pop music. Uh, this music genre, pretty much of what I know about Korean culture because of the looks of the idols, the choreography, and the music videos. So K-pop, equals to Korean culture. That was pretty much it uh, during that time. Uh, but then uh, when I was pursuing my studies in the UK, this particular film changed my perspectives about Korean culture. That film was War of the Arrows, which was the opening film for London Korean Festi Film Festival 2011. But I was amazed with not only how the actors conveyed their emotions, but also uh, the use of cinematography that brings out the visual meanings. Thanks to this film, it changed my whole perspectives about Korean culture and that there is way more about this culture besides K-pop. From there, I started to attend Korean culture-related events, including the film screenings 
and the yearly London Korean Film Festival. Because of my love for Korean culture and I really want to talk about it, it led me to set up a uh, Samgyeol Jin Jam in 2013 uh, that covers everything about Korean culture except K-pop. Later on, I started to have interest uh, in Asian culture. So besides Korean films, I started to watch films from Hong Kong, China, Taiwan, and Southeast Asia, including my home country, Malaysia. Loving Asian films and uh, I have the interest to talk about it, talk about them. I decided to join the Eastern Cakes. Moving forward as I write about Asian films, I hope to cover more on Southeast Asian films including Malaysia because there is quite a number of creative talents that bring captivating storylines and amazing cinematographies which are slightly different from other Asian films. Uh, in my personal opinion, on an international level, not many people know about the Southeast Asian film industry, which is why we need to talk more about this. that brings us to the end of the first part of this two-part special on Hong Kong comedy. If you'd like to keep the conversation going, or even just let us know what your favourite Hong Kong comedies are, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest and LinkedIn. And if you want to make sure you don't miss the next part, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify or Google. For now, Gambay.